All right, Mika's three is a crowd. I'm here today, once again, as always, in the bunker, still surrounded by the wall. <laughs> Kelly, we are here today to talk about Bob Dylan songs. How's it going? We are. It's good. I'm sick. Yeah, the flu is, is really bad out here in Oregon. I don't have the flu. I have a lazy cold. It's going to turn into the flu. It's going to get really, cool. really crazy. Thanks for wishing that upon me. Yeah, everyone in our offices are sick. Everyone's staying home. Uh, it's it's bad. So if you're in Oregon, just hunker down. Just stop. <laughs> get into a bunker. You'll be safe. You'll, everything will be better. This is a Bob Dylan podcast, Kelly. In lieu of all the flu-like symptoms and everything, we still soldiered through and we listened to a Bob Dylan song that we chose at random. We let random.org take over. We listen to the song for an entire week and then we come back at the end of the week and we talk about it. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly's heard roughly the same number of songs as there were teenage boys who, after mocking Alicia for his baldness, were mauled by bears that were sent from God. Wow. Don't fuck with baldness. And we listen to Born in Time <laughs> off of lots of things. Under the Red Sky. Could have been on No Mercy. In the low. Great song. In the blinking stardust of a pale blue light. You come and do to me in black and white. All right, Kelly, so that was Born in Time. We spent the entire week listening to it. What a weird song to kind of come off of Pay in Blood. I don't think I was 100% ready for it. How did you feel with this week with uh, with Born in, Born in Time? Well, we use a Dropbox to share songs. You put songs on there that aren't on Spotify for me to listen to. Right. And you left Pay in Blood in there from last week, so <laughs> I was listening to the two other versions, and I was like, this is really different. This is so different. It's... It sounds like the one was the Sounds like fan blood. So that was fun. Um, but yeah, the song's boring. It's there. It's fine. I just didn't care one way or the other. It just sounded like something that a person would be singing karaoke to in a really shitty bar late at night when everyone's sad, including the person singing. Oh, I mean, it's true. It's kind of a sad song. Yeah. It's got a sad vibe to it. Yeah. doesn't really get higher than, yeah, just melancholy. But it's only three and a half minutes long, which it was is like a short my favorite. Song. But we listen to four versions of it, so compound yep. that yep. into a 12-minute song. So these were actually originally recorded for O oh Mercy. We've listened to two O oh Mercy songs. We've listened to Ring the Bells and Everything is Broken. <laughs> this was going to be on the same record. I can see that. I'll make it clear that it should have been. Bob, you fucked up. <laughs> it was, And the versions that are great, the ones on the Telltale Signs that we did listen to, um, are the ones that were recorded in 1989 for Oh Mercy. So those versions could have made it on there. And I and I mean, even just with those two songs that we've listened to, you could see those songs next to Ring Them Bells and oh, Everything sure. Is Broken. It, but this poor song is so good. It should have been on. It should have been on Oh Mercy. But this was the first recorded. The recording of this song is convoluted as fuck. But just to kind of ground us a little bit, we listen to four takes. There's, a, there's six known ones. We've only listened to one from under the red sky so there's three takes of that we only listen to one that's on the album 
The other three we listened to were from Oh Mercy. So two of them come from Telltale, Telltale Signs, which is the Bootleg Series Volume 8. We're going to refer to those as Born in Time 1 and Born in Time 3 because they correspond to the disc that they're on, disc 1 versus disc 3. So if we say Telltale Signs 1, Telltale, Telltale Signs 3, that's what we mean. So they're just the different ones. You can find Telltale Signs 1 on Spotify on our playlist along with Under the Red Sky. The other two, which is Telltale Signs 3, as well as one that I have on the Genuine Bootleg series, but was just another recording from the Oh Mercy sessions, you have to find where you find all bootlegs. <laughs> so we're going to be playing a little, little snippets from all of them and kind of talking about them in in, in more detail. So we'll, we'll get to that uh, as well. This was recorded, uh, the song itself that we're listening to, and we always try to go for the whole album. So when we talk about the song, it is officially on Under the Red Sky as much as I want it to be on Oh Mercy. Uh, but this was recorded in March 1990 in three takes for Reds, for Under the Red Sky. Uh, take number three is the one that's on the album. Born in Time was originally going to be on Oh Mercy, as you've clearly been told. But it was replaced at the last minute with a song called Where Teardrops Fall. So another case of Dylan choosing a lesser song over something that genuinely had something to it. And also something that we've, we have talked about, too, with like Tangled Up in Blue uh, and a couple of the other bigger songs. This is a song that was like the first thing that he wrote for what became the new album. So it's sort of usually it kind of shows the way and it's sort of like the one song that sort of stands out amidst everything. And then every song kind of gravitates towards it. So the fact that Born in Time was the first thing written for Oh Mercy, but then didn't make it on it, I think is so 80s Dylan, like oh, just man. yeah, letting that one kind of go, which is kind of weird. And just to throw out the credits, because I kind of wanted to do that. And because there's two different versions, I'm just going to do it really quick. So the Oh Mercy record. Uh, on playing on, on all these songs that you're going to be listening to today, we've got Bob Dylan, who's playing uh, the vocals. I think he's the guy singing. I don't know. <laughs> playing, uh, the bro- playing the vocals. Brian Stoltz and Mason Ruffner playing guitar. Tony Hall on bass. Uh, Willie Green on drums. Malcolm Byrne on keyboards, bass, and tambourine. Which I mean, I think it's a genuine one. We get the little little bit of tambourine. Oh, there's tambourine on the Red Sky one. Uh, the Red Sky. Well, mm-hmm. that's got like twinkling bells and all kinds there's a of whole stuff. Lot of stuff. Uh, and then uh, Cyril Neville and Daryl Johnson on percussion. And then Under the Red Sky from 1990, we get uh, Bob Dylan again. I mean, I don't know how he got on this <laughs> second time. I uh, played accordion and vocals. No kidding. What's up? I David... didn't clock the accordion at no, all. No, neither did I. So I think that's just like a fake thing. David Crosby. <laughs> David Crosby is on the background like from vocals. Crosby, Stills, and Nash? From Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, Bruce Hornsby is on piano. Hey. Robin Ford played guitar. Randy Jackson from American Idol. No played bass. Shit. Kenny Aronoff played drums as well. And Paulina da Costa on percussion as well. Yeah, if we remember, God knows, I think had Slash playing on it or something like that. Oh, like, yeah, something yeah, weird, yeah. Just everyone showed up to play on that that album. Why hire a session player when you can just have a random person from a band show up? Well, yeah, why not? Because they'll probably play for free. And yeah. that's Bob's MO. This has been played only 56 times from uh, February 25th, 1993. And the last time was August 17th, 2003. So it's only, it seems like a song that Bob Dylan would just play endlessly forever. You think that? But it's kind of, uh, it took him a couple years to kind of get into it. And then when did this album come out? 1990. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Would have been 89 if it was Oh Mercy, so. Wow. They came out, that dude just can't stop. Can't stop himself. Can't stop himself. Never gonna. We did listen to a couple covers, so let's just really quickly go over them. Wasn't one of them in Spanish, or am I just... That was right. So, very prolific, J.M. Ball, 
uh, with Eric, I assume his brother, Eric Ball, uh, with his assist off of 2001's Cosés de Dillon. So it was, yeah, born in time in Spanish. I liked it. I, I really liked it a lot. Than that for the Red Sky one. Yeah. And then there was another one, uh, a band called Indigenous off of 2006's Chasing the Sun. That one's fun too. Yeah, it sounded like Soundgarden. I mean, he sound, he's a great singer. It's very polished, polished rock. Um, and then the most famous is going to be Eric Clapton. I took it off the playlist because I couldn't even, couldn't oh, even do it. That was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. And what and, a terrible version of this song. Yeah. Not only that, but like it was his single off of his album Pilgrim in 1998. Whoa. And Pilgrim has one of the worst album covers I've ever seen too. It's so dumb and right. plain. But speaking of album art, I really like the end of the red sky. I'm just like Dylan just like sadly crouched on a like the side of a road in sepia tone. Just when I knew you were gone, you came back. Just when I knew it was for sudden. Mark Kelly, so now that we've gone through covers and we've gone through context, let's talk about the song itself. So I think the song has enough chops. Some people are really into the song. Some people really love it. Uh, some people don't care that much for it. Do people have takes about Jesus? No takes about Jesus. No, because I don't think it really lends itself to Jesus, to be honest. It's, it's very emotional and it's very, like, very specific. I mean, I guess the person he is talking to could be Jesus. And if that's literally the only uh, criteria that we have, then yeah, this song's totally about Jesus. Good night. Uh, we're also on Patreon. SoundCloud. No. Yeah, it's um. Was Under the Red Sky one of the Jesus ones? Yeah, it's years after. Okay. No, this, that it's ended in '82. This slow is train coming. 1979. So we're we're a whole oh. decade after. Yeah. I see. This okay. is why you would benefit from that nice. If I could ever create that timeline, that, that cool I, timeline, I you really would be need. totally on board. But yeah, no, this this is decades after. But again, we've established Dylan plays with his stuff and his music and has from day one, and he's still playing with it. So he will forever. Could this be about Jesus? Sure, why not? Let's talk first about the music. Clinton Highland said, quote, One can almost hear him getting further and further away from that former flame with each take. So let's talk about, I mean, musically, what which one stood out to you the most? So um, I like the Under the Red Sky one the least. And I can't really say why so much as it was just boring. Like, I didn't find it very interesting. Also, his voice, I was not expecting. Yeah. He sounded, his voice sounded almost older than it does in even playing Blood somehow. Because this playing Blood, it's like, like affected. Yeah. Here, it's just like, I'm old and tired. <laughs> I wrote this song for the last record and now I'm out of ideas and I'm having to put it on here. Yeah. But I like, I thought it was recorded much earlier. I didn't realize this came out in, in yeah. 89 or yeah i thought it was for sure in the 80s well um but that being said i did like the the genuine bootleg 
version because out of nowhere there's a fucking marimba mm-hmm. and i was like what is happening and that's on the the telltale signs three also it's like this is we got rid of the tambourine and we added a marimba what the fuck happened yeah. it's amazing i love a marimba we don't use enough marimba if you go back and listen to the genuine bootleg series one and you listen to telltale signs three those two are the same song, I think. The, the bass of the song is the same. It's got that same, like, bass sort of opening up the song. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one, I think, starts with, like, drums. And then Under the Red Skies is clearly completely different because it starts with, like, oh, yeah, bells the, and the stuff like that. Signs 3, especially, it's like, that bass is there. Yeah, is but, so is, but genuine as well. It's, it's, not as, it's not as well produced because it is, like, a genuine bootleg. But it, I think it's the exact same song. I think that it's just... What he did was that he overdubbed the vocals. So the vocals and the music got added later. So I think it's the same, like, skeleton, but they're, they're, they're two different things. Because I thought it was really poorly mixed. I thought tel- the Telltale Science 3 one was really poorly mixed. Okay. Uh, the, there was a lot of reverb in his voice, and it was really echoey. Yeah. Because uh, I listened to the Genuine Bootleg one, and then the Telltale Science 3 right after it. Yeah. And, yeah, it was it was definitely similar, because that marimba skin yeah. is there. Um. But yeah, the the mixing, whoever did, was doing the audio levels, it just didn't sound as good. And the bass was cool that it was like so fat right up front. Yeah. But I did not like it as much. I think the the genuine but like one is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that and I think going back to all of this, I think that that Highland was like this there is one version of it that's the best. And I think it's that. I think it's a genuine bootleg series one because oh, nice, yeah. not only for its lyrical content, but also cuz of the way that Dylan sings it. There are moments there where he just like gives away his inhibition he's not really like there were a couple of weird vocal the vocal performances if you will on those two telltale signs the official ones are really great not only does it sound really good and the bass is really cracking especially mm-hmm. on number three you can hear that bass oh, and, it, yeah. and it's highlighted which unlike all the other ones it, that just stays in the background the whole time but i like the performance on the on the genuine because it's it's less filtered it's less like He's less going for a performance and more just like letting it stand. And I think at, once we get into the lyrics, I think the reasons are pretty obvious because that lyrical performance is one of the best. And it also changes the song into something way different than all the other ones kind of come to. So I found that pretty interesting. Uh, Don Wa, who is one of the producers on Under the Red Sky, uh, produced, he's produced a ton of, uh, of albums. He, he, try to kind of help Dylan through this stage of, of the song. And he's got a pretty interesting quote about the song. Uh, quote, I had an idea that that there should be the stop time thing, like in the band's The Wait. You know, you, you know The Wait, the song by the band. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that then, definitely happens in here. Right, right. Yeah. But uh, then that was the idea. And so then, so they were about to start taking the song and I thought, I've just got to do this. Uh, it's the part where Dylan says, words words have not been spoken, pause, or broken, broken. pause. And he would drum, put the drums in there just like on the Wade. Um, and 
And then Don Moss said, I think that was kind of gorgeous. In fact, I think it was a little too much for him. We did it three times, you know, in the context of the interview. We did it three times. I started to develop this unified theory that if something were too beautiful, if it looked like it was trying to please, then it was against his purposes. Uh. And I think a lot of people say that about Dylan, too. Like, he was making music just to sort of, like, turn people off, which is sad. (laughs) Poor Dylan. What are you? Who are you crying out for? We want to listen to you. He desperately wants the attention of somebody. Someone. So let's talk about the lyrics. In general, how do you feel about the song itself? I mean, unless you're about to pull some classic, this Mm. is actually about the Civil War (laughs) bullshit. Everything's about Civil War. (laughs) I mean, isn't it, though? The Lonesome Night is clearly an allusion to to Vicksburg. I don't know what... Jesus Christ. I mean, I just feel like this is a love song about having, like, nostalgic pangs. Uh, about a tumultuous relationship. Yeah. That's all. This could be the same relationship of like fourth time around. Ooh, sure. Where people are getting pushed over yeah. and stuff like that, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And you're just thinking back on it now. It's been, you know, what, 20 years on? And now he's thinking back like, oh, I shouldn't have taken her leg out or whatever it was, you know? Like, <laughs> put her in a yeah, wheelchair. Exactly. Like, holy shit. Should have just let her have the heroin. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the lyrics are really beautiful. I think they're they're evocative. Some of them are really great. Like, um... I don't know. I like it when he says, like, the shaky street, listening to my heartbeat and the record, breaking heat. You know, that, that whole first verse, I think, is, like, so And solid. that's the one that stays the same throughout all the versions. Pretty much. Well, yeah. actually, they all change. Even Just that one? barely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it... Um, oh, he does change it from... In the Lonely uh, Night you in the walk. Blinking Stardust. Oh, okay. And then in the Stardust, and then in the Smoking Stardust. Right, right. And then there's a version that he, he did for... Uh, that came out in the 1997... Or in the Time Out of Mind... Australia version. I don't know when he recorded it, but it was a single with Lovesick. Uh, this might have been again. This this could just be another uh, one of the Under the Red Sky takes that is just, that was just put on it. I don't know, but the lyric in that is in the shadow, in the shadows of the pale blue night. So there's shadows smoking, blinking, and then just the regular stardust. And he does change from Under the Red Sky. You're blowing down the shaky street to I walk alone. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And so that that you're blowing down is sort of the last version and so i think it's instructive for us as we go forward to think about under the red sky is the final version like how he got there is whatever but that's like in theory the end of the line so the ones that come before so he made it worse he made it worse over time (laughs) well yeah because you start off i mean if we just kind of go on that premise alone like the first two for telltale signs start with i walk through the shaking street and then it's you're walking through it and that whole first part is pretty similar across the board you know you're you're hearing my heartbeats listening to my heartbeat in the record-breaking heat when you were born in time like okay that's all fine but then it's that's where it starts to diverge a bit the song really uh hinges upon those bridges the two bridges that are in the song the rest of them beyond a couple of minor eyes and u's which do change the entire tenor of everything don't really change that that dramatically it's really this song for him was just fucking around with the bridges to try to make them say something different. Mm-hmm. So the version for Under the Red Sky, I think, is the weakest one. That's the one that he was trying to fit in within the template that he already created. Whereas I think that the two for um, Telltale Signs 1 and 3 were great, like are very different between the two. Um, because even just like juxtapositioning the two, let's just do it really quick. So just when I thought... This is from uh, Telltale Signs number one, and then I'll do number three. So just when I thought you were gone, you came back. The other one, just when I thought you were gone, you came back. So same one, right? We're starting on that. Where's the other one? 
not one more nine, not one more kiss. Not, <laughs> yeah, so fuck that one. We're not even going to talk about it. Uh, and then back to number one, just when I was ready to receive you, go over to number three, just when I knew it was for certain. Yeah. And then go back to number one. You were smooth. You were rough. You were more than enough. The other one, you were high. You were low. You were easy to know. And then go back to one. Oh, babe, why did I ever leave you or grieve you? And then the other one I think is a totally different sentiment, which is, oh, babe, now is the time to raise the curtain. I'm hurting. Totally different song. Yeah. You know, and I think number one is more accusatory. It's more like, why did why did this happen? Why did you do this to me? And then finally, when we get over to Under the Red Sky, it's more just recrimination. It's like, I mean, you get to the point where he's like, you'll pay the price. Oh, yeah. You won't get anything you don't deserve. That's a lot darker of a sentiment, which is kind of weird because the the tonal, the tone of the um, the music on number one and, and number three is, I think, darker than the silliness of Under the Red Sky. But those Agreed. lyrics are potentially darker. Yeah, I also don't like the, you came, you saw, just like the law. Oh, yeah, God. You marry young like your ma. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not good. It's just not good. Yeah. All right, so let's move to verse number three which is on the rising curve. I, what I like the most too about this is that it feels like we're on one single night, like in a lonely night, blowing down the shaky street on the rising curve. You run into the hills of mystery, but it's like, it's on a single night. It's yeah. just one night and we're, yeah. Or, or not or you're even thinking about her. You're thinking about her. Yeah. yeah. Which I like the most. It's like the memory playing with like, what was this person? Yeah. Because, and it, oh God. And then this is where you get into like, Bob Dylan's a genius territory because what is this but four different versions that we listen to of a different memory of the same person of the same event oh, of the yeah, same night fair. it almost works thematically because all four of these are different versions of a of the same person well it hasn't been there right like you just have these memories these rose colored glasses sometimes mm-hmm. but other times you're just like fuck that person exactly <laughs> Or it was all me. It was yeah. all my fault. I fucked it up. Oh, yeah. Why Every, did I, do I think that? everyone's been through that cycle when they've been in a you know a passionate, tumultuous kind of relationship. You're like, one minute you're like, God, it was all their fault. I hate them. I never want to see them again. Oh, I miss them. Maybe I could have done something differently. Oh, it was all my fault the whole time. Yes. So that's pretty fun. And then that's fuck them. To... It wasn't my fault at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get to the point where you're just like, who cares about any of that? You know, yeah. does it even matter? And Dylan certainly talked about that. We've we've had those kind of things. We're tangled up in blue. You meet people from the past. And you're just like, oh, you know, like life goes on. Life is long. But in this moment, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like this has been dogging him for a long time. Uh, So anyways, going back to to number three, you know, on the rising curve. I love this line where the ways of nature will test every nerve. I enjoy that a lot. Um, But then under the red sky, I kind of like that. You won't get anything you don't deserve. That's dark. Yeah. And it fits really well. Yeah. Uh, Whereas it's different for all all three of the main ones. Um. I took you close and I got what I deserve. Yikes. And that's more of the sad one. Yeah. You know, the other one's like, fuck you. This one's like, this is all my fault. <laughs> and then uh, Telltale Signs number three said, uh, took me in and I got what I, you took me in and I got what I deserve. Um, so it's like, you're almost yearning for that moment again. Like you took me in that time and I got what I deserved. I would do it again. <laughs> you know, which again, we've all been there. Yeah. And then we get a nice little musical interlude, which is very different for all versions. Uh, we get a little bit of uh, bass under the red sky. Actually, I really enjoyed the bass on that one. The slight harmonica out of nowhere. Loved it. Yeah. That was the only one I think with, uh, with harmonica. Yeah. The rest of them were. Was it, lacking. or was it that accordion, man? 
Ooh, I guess it's a fair point. It was a very uh, slight harmonica, yeah. but it might have been a slight accordion. It was probably a fucking accordion. Yeah, I think so. Because where did this accordion come from? Right. Or he's putting it, like, right at the beginning of the song. It plays itself out, and it's like, yeah, I played accordion on this one. Uh, number uh, number one didn't have any bass to note, no harmonica. I, I like the little guitar version, though. I like the, the way the guitars sound on, on both of those. Yeah, especially in the um, three. Tell us how science. Yeah. Three. Uh, extra jangly. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a, it might be a steel, like a hollow body acoustic steel guitar. And speaking of three, the very end of three is the one that gets into like whatever's going on at the end, like where it gets really, it almost sounds electrified, mm. like where it's like, and it sort of like ramps up like a lawnmower. I love that. Yeah. Like that was clearly something that happened after the fact. I mean, and to me, like, what's weird about talking about it is, like, you really enjoyed the genuine bootleg, and I like that for the vocal, but I think the musical performance on number three is the best, even though you weren't into the production Yeah, I think it. it's it's really the mixing, for better or worse. Obviously, yeah. you liked it more. I thought the levels were a little out of whack. Yeah, and I think I just enjoyed the out-of-whackness of it, and I liked how, like, the guitar that had shown up previously none in the last three minutes and 30 seconds all of a sudden <laughs> ramps up out of nowhere. Love it. It was fantastic. So let's go to the final, the final bridge, uh, which again is one of those big differences between the songs. Uh, and this is where you hear on "Under the Red Sky" where they say, uh, "You hang the flame and you'll pay the price," um, and I think that's that's pretty pretty harsh. So, what person. do you think that means? Is that like you're inviting me in? You're hanging your lantern, telling me to come on in? Yeah, you, you press me once, you press me twice, you hang the flame, you'll pay the price. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You invited me in. It's on you. Yeah, maybe. Mm. But I just don't know. know what it, like. I didn't really get that as far as metaphor, other than like your the only the only other interpretation I had was like passion being a flame. Yeah. You know, well, because like, even right after that, oh babe, that fire is still smoking. Yeah, so, so it's that's like why the passion's still existing, even just under the embers. Like, yeah, it's still going. It was so strong that it's still there. And then immediately your snow and your rain. Yeah. Whoops, that's, <laughs> like, that's gone. Whoops, the, the snow and the rain put out that fire. What are you doing? Uh, so all of them had, I think, the snow and the rain. Yeah, and striped and plain. Fucking weird. But anyway, so let's go to the other one. So uh, number one and number three, um, they both basically repeat the first one, which is just when I just when I knew who to thank, you went blank. Just when the firelight was gleaming, that's number one. Number three said just when the home fires were smoking. Just kind of great home fires. That's a cool. Turn I thought it said old fires. Yeah, I think they wrote whole, but Highland says home fires. So I don't know who's right, but I like the idea of home fires. It's kind of fun. Um, and then of course, you know, it, I mean, this is an internal truth. We all know this. You were snow. You were rain. Of course, uh, you were striped. <laughs> you were plain. The only difference that I want to note here of the one that was on the uh, time out of mind version is that. When he re-recorded this, I can only assume he re-recorded this, or again, this is an Under the Red Sky thing, but he said, you are snow, you are rain, 
you were striped lord and you were playing what's up with the you know <laughs> i can't imagine this song like wiling out in a way that bob is throwing around like a lord <laughs> like when did this even well, like pick up to maybe, a pace that you're like i'm gonna throw down the lord's name like i mean i think the only thing maybe striped means something very important to him I like, can only think that this song is way funkier than we think it is because that him, Lord can only apply if well, yeah, you're like, like wiling out. Maybe she was wearing like some kind of Fifth Element Ooh, style get up. Like, you were striped. But that, that's putting a lot of emotion into the <laughs> lyrics that I don't think that this has. I mean, I didn't feel an ounce of that personally listening to this multiple times. But <laughs> Anyways, I don't know what any of that means. But then one and three are interesting too uh, because we get um, – uh, number one, which which I think is the first take of the entire thing. So the Telltale Signs number one, again, if I haven't made that clear, I think is the very first take, period, uh, in February, February 28th of 1989. Uh, he says, and then at the very end of this, the second bridge, oh, babe, can it be that you were scheming or was I dreaming? Yeah. And that and that goes along with, oh, babe, why did I leave you or grieve you? So it all works thematically to his credit. I mean, what, what he changed up there kind of changes down there, which does work. Um, they referred to Telltale Signs number three as the post-apocalyptic version. Oh. And I thought that was pretty interesting because – and basically from this moment right here because that question right there, uh, can it be that you were scheming or dreaming, goes away and pretty much goes away for good at that point because there's no more – there's no more questioning of the other side. It's like recrimination on, through on through because the Telltale Signs number three and I think the genuine bootleg series as well if I'm not mistaken – goes to the same line that Under the Red Sky is, which is, um, oh, babe, truer words have never been spoken or broken. So basically just like, you know, I'm not even going to question this. Like, you're the problem. You're the reason why this happened. So the uh, I know it's just a word, and you can put that word in a lot of songs, broken. But the vibe of this song and then hearing that word, I was like, this sounds like everything is broken. broken. So it's so fun that you're like, yeah, it should have been on No Mercy, but it wasn't. Yeah, and it would have been – I think they would have been side-by-side side on No Mercy somewhere down the line. The track listing was way different because he did actually – before he took this out, he actually had tracked the entire album with this on it. And it's a very different look of the record. So when we get to No Mercy, we'll listen to it in the way that he intended to have it listened to. Uh, on that first, I think May 2nd, 1989, he – he sort of went back on the road, but he put it in and was like, here's the record. This is what it's going to be. And then when he returned, it's like, well, no, let's take it off for this inferior song. That sounds good. Let's do that. Uh, and he took off God Knows, which is good. I don't even know if God Knows even made it onto there. But anyway, so let's let's close this out. So final verse, in the hills of mystery, in the foggy web of destiny, under the red sky says, you can have what's left of me when we were born in time. Very sad. Resignation. You can have what's left of me. There's nothing left. I'm nothing. I'm just the stars, the, the pale blue light. When we were made of dreams. I'm what you left of yeah. me. So that's the sad one. The other ones are a little bit more, a little bit more. Um, I guess they're all sad. Let's be honest. In the hills of the mystery, in the foggy web of destiny. You're still so deep inside of me When we were born in time I 
I think that's what makes the genuine bootleg series the uh, the genuine bootleg series version so good is that I think lyrically it hits all of the really good parts that we were saying and all of this on all three of these big versions of the song and does it really well and has some of the best takes from all of them. Um, but it's, it doesn't sound as good because it didn't get the, the wonderful, you know, Columbia redo, you know, mm-hmm. fixing up all the sound and making it sound absolutely brilliant because for nothing, telltale signs one and three sound fucking amazing. Just sound great regardless of, you know, what whatever they could or couldn't do with the mixes, they're still incredible sounding compared to the genuine bootleg series one, which was flat for the most part. So you're kind of there just for the history of it, but also his vocal performance is really good, and it I think it makes me want to listen to his vocals more. So, so Kelly, any final thoughts on the song? Did you walk away from it feeling sad? No. Did you feel anything? Yeah, and I think that's it's what it was it's not that i truly was moved by this song but i got what it was trying to make me feel (laughs) it's a fair point i think you can tell those songs from a mile away i I think when the twinkling bells you're like all right i see what's going on here (laughs) yeah and and some of the bob dylan songs you don't expect i mean song to woody i think you're like oh this is kind of a fun song and they're like i'm moved to tears (laughs) you know what i mean but that's the best stuff that's what you want yeah i don't think you were ever going to get that with born in time i did not get that and, and see, with Song of Woody, it wasn't like that for me. It was immediate. There wasn't like oh, any sure. It was like, oh, this side. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. It's either it's either immediate or it's uh, or it sneaks up on you. you yeah. Don't really like, know after coming. a couple of listens, you're like, damn, this is like, mm. there are levels here. Yeah. I'm into it. But this was very, to me at least, on the nose. I yeah. Heard was saying. I think it's an incredibly competent song. I think yeah, it's, incredibly... it's like not a bad little poem. The music was proficient. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't for me. Compared to other artists. This is a great, great song, uh, and I and in a different hands. Like I, I, I'm surprised that it wasn't covered more than it was. I really like the Spanish Honestly. version. Yeah, a lot. And I think when it's so simple, it does lend to other languages taking over and sort of using that uh, in a way that sort of would be really difficult for something like what he was doing in the '60s, where everything's kind of going really fast in the words. He's using nonsense words that don't really make any sense, you know? But this is so nice. It's very simple, but you can really spice up or give it a straight acoustic vibe, which is what happened with um, with JM, JM Brawl. Why I liked the Genuine Bootleg version the most is yeah. because I think it leaned into that Western style, mm-hmm. like that Western sound. And my image of somebody being in a divey bar singing this, like, all my exes live in Texas, like, the... Mm-hmm. It, that did it for me. Yeah. Like that was my little bit of end. And I think the vocals sound amateurish almost where it's, that's my favorite Dylan where he's like not shrouding himself under a lot of weird, especially in the eighties Dylan where he's shrouding himself in all of this goop to try to sound a certain way. (laughs) I like it when he just lets it go. Oh, I got a sneak peek of a Bob Dylan song I never heard Mm. over the weekend while we were hanging out. And his voice is so whack. I can't wait to get to whatever song that was. So he, this dude oh, is uh, guard. From like Nashville Skyline or something. Right Maybe. Now. I don't know. He's like. Peggy Day Stole my poor heart away By golly what more can I say Love to spend the night with Peggy Day Oh, I hope we get a Nashville Skyland song. Woo! All right. 
the let's go for a national scout. Let's like channel random.org. I can see his face. Like, isn't he holding a guitar like upright? He's or a banjo playing. He's holding a guitar. Upright? Yeah. 1969. So we're not even out of the 60s. Does he still have his hat? His hat. He's, He'll never his take hat's off. on. Uh, no, no, not the. I mean, not the Huckleberry Finn hat, but. Uh, no, no, this is no, this is 69. Oh, it's cowboy. He's, he's a He's this is it's country. Yeah, Johnny Cash is on the first right. song. Yeah. Wow, that'll be fun. Yeah, let's do that. Make that happen, random. Well, it's only it's, it's 28 minute record. <laughs> the whole album, National no Skyline. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic, hmm. and a lot of great. I mean, wonderful songs, and that voice is so. I mean, it's almost as iconic as his other voice. So. So is that what he was trying to do, like channel a country? Well, like some some people, we've talked about it before, but like um, some of the people back in Minnesota, um, when they heard him do that album, said that that's one of their favorites because it sounded like old Bobby. It sounded like what he was doing no when he was younger. Yeah, And we've listened to a lot of Bob. As a kid, you know, he's got a way, you know, he, he definitely hones it for like even Free Will and Bob Dylan, like uh, I Shall Be Free. There's a playfulness there, but you can, even Song to Woody, you can tell oh, that he's yeah. like really trying like he's a he's a good singer and he's really columbia's helping him achieve a vision but when he's just playing the songs like we listened to on woody guthrie month you can see where the nasally like the super nasalness comes from and um and i think if if we go back and listen to that whenever we get a nashville skyline song it'll be pretty interesting because i think you can he- you can definitely hear it he's i don't think it's like he's got some dip in his mouth yeah <laughs> Yeah, I really like the song. So yeah, you did like it. No, I liked it a lot. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, I, I think that it's something where I like the versions where Dylan doesn't let himself off the hook. Um, but I also like that he doesn't drown himself in sorrow. So I think that's why I like the vo- the lyrics and everything for the genuine bootleg series. Because it's, it's a nice in-between where there's some nuance, but then there's also enough recrimination. So it's like, it is a, it's a true like story of two people that are flawed and two people that are wrong. Because we don't know. And I think when both people are wrong, it makes you move on faster. It makes you feel better about everything, uh, at least in theory. But I feel like he's actively, like, in some of them, in the first two, he's, like, actively litigating this this memory. And he keeps thinking about it. And that's kind of how I saw it. And, you know, we've all been there. We've all actively litigated all of, you know, relationships for months and months at a time. And you're like, oh, what, what could I have done? What could have been different? But, of course, it's not that fucking easy. Took me in and I got what I deserve Where we were born in time All right, Kelly, so that is it for Born in Time. Ooh. Um, I think we'll obviously hear it again once we get to um, Under, the Red Sky. Under the Red Sky, and we'll probably do it again when we get Oh Mercy. We'll listen to the version that was supposed to be. So I'm, I'm always curious to get into those once we have more information. But beyond Born in Time, we were also alive in the world. Why? <laughs> this week. Jesus. But we were here. Kelly, what else were you doing this week to try to make it at least palatable to be a human being? What did you have a rough week? Oh, it's been it's been rough. It's every day is rough, man. Wow, twenty eighteen is tough so far. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ellen Page got married to her gay ass wife. Twenty eighteen starting off right for me. See, that's nice. The world's <laughs> going to hell, but lesbians will save us. Lesbians. <laughs> 
Hey, man, whatever it takes. I don't care. At we're, this point, we're coming we'll recruit for you, everyone. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, I have been listening to what has quickly become my second favorite podcast. Right. Well, okay. Throwing Shade is one I listen to every week, no matter what. So I got to put that at my top because I, I've never missed a week since yeah. I started listening. It's on the windows. You're number two. So this is got to be number right. Right. Uh, Queries my number two. Oh no! But this is actually might supplant that. Uh, Heat Rock, which I've talked about before. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Oliver Wang and uh, Morgan Rhodes, and they talk about hip hop albums. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes like pop, but mostly hip hop R and B. And they're just so fucking smart. Yeah. And the guests they have are so cool because it's always people in the industry, like that are yeah. music producers themselves, or or just like when you ask someone about their favorite record of all time. And you just feel that passion and them gushing about it. And when they speak about it so eloquently because they like they did their homework and they yeah. uh, they just the way they talk about shit is so amazing. That's awesome. Um, so I could literally recommend every album they talk about every week. Um, but what I'm actually going to talk about is not an album they did because you could just go go listen to Heat Rocks. Yeah. And you'll listen know. to the albums. Yeah. Um, but they were talking about The Chronic. That was uh-huh. one of theirs for the, the week. Um and while the guest they had on was talking about it, they mentioned a group called uh, Freestyle Fellowship that came out in 91. Um, their second album was in 93, Inner City, Inner City Griots. Um, and he was talking about how, like, no one knows who this band is. And they were L.A. Ra- I, I never, never fucking heard, heard of them. It. And there's only two albums on Spotify 20 years or 14 years apart. And uh, they have four actual studio albums and and, uh, one mixtape, which is on Spotify. Anyway, fucking amazing. Um, They they have, like, jazz fusion. I'm just going to read a quote from LA Weekly real quick uh, because I think it sums it up really good. The astral jazz crack geniuses of sherm strafed South Central rapping with caged bird cadences about sleeping on park benches, biblical books, and gangster rap carpetbaggers, which I don't even know what that is. Carpetbaggers? Oh, it's like somebody who comes from... One place to another. Oh, or okay. carpetbaggers gotcha. from Colorado. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it was a term for the people, north, northerners coming to the south after the Civil War. So, Bring with their little I didn't know that. Yeah. Carpetbaggers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. Mm-hmm. They're just I- incredible. Um, I listened to the 93 album because that's the one they talked about just in passing. Like, the, the, the show was about, the podcast was about the, the chronic. chronic. But they mentioned it. Uh, so, so this is that. one of those that, like... It's even in the minutia. That's kind of where you want to keep diving in. It's like, yeah. all right, I know the chronic, and I listen to the chronic. Right, right. Who did? I own the chronic. Yeah. I bought the chronic. But I'll go, cool. Let me get into that. Like, yeah, what was sure. Dre listening to at that time? What were because you got to think yeah. it was that year or the year after. Uh, we get East Coast mm-hmm. Wu Tang. We get Thirty Six Chambers, mm-hmm. and it's like so different. And these guys, they um, I don't know if you know who Bus Driver is. No, he's a, a rapper, super fast, like Buster Rhymes with a really affected voice. Yeah, just the way he says syllables and things like that. There's a guy. So this band is made up of four guys: uh, AC Lane, sorry, AC Lone, Peace, Self Jupiter, and Micah Nine. Micah Nine actually raps with Bus Driver mm. at some point. So it's like, ah, oh, my whole life, everything's coming together. It's amazing. Uh, but this album specifically, it has a little bit of cheesiness from holdover, like run DMC style, where we're, we're talking affected in a weird way because this is how we rap today. Uh, but just a little bit, just enough, you know? Yeah. Um, but then also we get this griminess, this like, because G-Rap is here, G-Funk is here, like we're doing this and that's where it's coming from is this LA scene. And it's just so cool. And they're, the old, the newer album they have on Spotify that came out in 2012 is uh they call it a mixtape but it's it's a proper album it's called power plant 
they've gotten all that cheesiness is gone because we just don't do that anymore. It's, right. it's out of there, and it's just they're so good, they're so smart, and so fast, and the beats are fantastic because it's they do all this different incorporation. Anyway, yeah, who fucking knew? Freestyle Fellowship. That's awesome. Check, check them out. Once we have the knowledge of self as a people, then we could be free, and no devil could ever enter the boundaries. I stand in the center around all these sounds I see. Blessed are the that I found the key. That's how we be. We are by no means ashamed of our cultural background. Not a tap bitch, afraid of change. Look around the same old, same old. Hey, what's going on, man? Oh, uh, no, I can't call it. Trying to maintain overlooking these boundaries. I gotta be righteous. I gotta be me. I gotta be conscious. I gotta be free. I gotta be able. I gotta attack. I gotta be stable. I gotta be black. Who is that surrounding me? Did you also say self Jupiter? Yeah, it's one of the guys. What even is that? Right, it's amazing. That's the greatest name I've ever listened to in my life. Self Jupiter. Holy shit! All right, they, I've just been caught you watching a Jeff uh, watching listen to Jeff Rosen's doc over I, and over. I've listened to posts probably like fourteen times at this point. It's only nine songs. It's not too bad. I it's been a long time actually since I've listened to an album that's so perfectly paced. I'm nice. so shocked by how amazing this album is. He was actually on another podcast I listened to called Going Off Track. Uh, he talked about his um, uh, his newest um, his newest album, and a lot more. They don't always stay on track, so they <laughs> talk a lot about sports and a lot about random stuff. But it's very fun to listen to Jeff and um, and Benny Horowitz, who plays the drums in Antarctica Vespucci and plays some drums in Gaslight Anthem. He's he's a kind of a co-host, if you will. He's certainly like become a co-host on the show at this point. Um, but he he brings up a great point, which is like Jeff Rosenstock is the future of music. Like the way that he does things is the way that people are going to be doing things from here on out. He might not know it, he might not reap the benefits of it, but he's he's what's up because he puts out his albums for free, and he does pay what you will. And he funds everything. He does everything himself. He's, uh, I mean, that's not totally true. He, he Side One Dummy, he worked with them on the last record and stuff like that. But he's also writing music for a Cartoon Network show that's oh, nice. coming out. Yeah. God bless. I mean, if there's there's not a nicer person in the entire world that deserves all of this. And listening back to USA every day, I think, is, is a tonic for living in this country at this point. Uh, and also, Etu USA, not hey, F-U USA. USA. Yeah. Doesn't matter best misheard lyric ever definitely the best misheard lyric of 2018 and it will be i think for the whole thing because fu usa is just as good uh and then let them win on repeat because you internalize 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 please don't forget please don't forget it's my favorite one and then because this world is such a fucking horror show <laughs> i i read a biography called washington a life about george washington I've read a lot of books about George Washington, and George Washington has showed up in a lot of them, but I've never read an actual biography. I don't think about George Washington. Can so, I teach them how to say goodbye? Well, and, and so there were a lot, and Chernow obviously wrote the Hamilton, or he wrote Alexander Hamilton, and then Lynn wrote Hamilton, the musical. But a lot of this, I mean, obviously, when, when he reads out the farewell address, when um, you know, Washington in the play does, you know. Reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error. I am nevertheless too sensible of my defects, not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will view them with indulgence. 
after 45 years of my life dedicated to its service upright the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned to oblivion as I myself must soon be to the mansions of rest I anticipate with pleasing expectation that retreat in which I promised myself to realize the sweet enjoyment of partaking in the midst of my fellow citizens the benign influence of good laws under a free government, the ever-favored object of my heart. The reward is I trust of our mutual cares, labors, and dangers. I was just singing along like Chris Jackson sang. <laughs> uh, but it's really interesting because, I mean, he goes from the French uh, and Indian Wars uh, to the Continental Congress to the head of the Continental Congress, the president, if you will, um, and then to the head of the, of the Continental Army, then to the president of the United States. And he was such an integral figure. That's something that I didn't, I didn't quite 100% grasp, like how essential people thought of George Washington. And what's also really is interesting is that his presidency, like Grant, is something that we often don't talk about. They didn't know how much power the executive should have versus the legislature versus the judicial branch. And Washington, because he was Washington, it was a blessing and a curse. There were people that wanted him to become a king. Oh, yeah. King of the United States. For yeah. Sure. And it is so amazing to me. Like everybody thinks. The epithet back then was you're a monarchist. So like Alexander Hamilton was a monarchist. And I just forgot that like, oh my God, there hasn't been a president or anything like that ever anywhere. So of course, George Washington is going to be king. You know, and George III said, what is Washington going to do? Is he going to be the head of the army or is he going to be head of the country? And um, he was told, no, he's going to go back to his farm, which he did. He gave up control of the army and went, and he said, well, if he does that, he'll be the greatest man in the world. He consciously needed the people to ask him to do things he wanted to help to be the head of this and he wanted to be remembered for that his legacy was something incredibly important to him but he was also very aware that like everyone history has its eyes on you every he knew everyone was watching him and he needed to go about it the right way and so he cultivated that i didn't realize that like at the end of it with jefferson and madison from hamilton the musical he they fell out like, they didn't talk for the last years of, Je of Washington's life after Jefferson left uh, his cabinet. And he referred to him, the last time he ever talked about Thomas Jefferson, he referred to him as that man. But it did, it was honest about its portrayal, which it dealt with slavery. He freed the slaves upon his death, his slaves. But he didn't free him while he was alive. It would have been a better world if he had done it, because then people would have been like, shit, man, George Washington did it. Yeah. I guess we got to do it, because this is bad. But he did not have the balls to do it. Fun tidbit, uh, across his journal, across his entire life, he's got a habit of counting the ladies. He would count. There were 67 ladies here tonight. There were 14 oh. ladies here tonight. What the fuck? Yeah, the, the relationship with Martha is really interesting, too, because they were definitely more friends than they were, like, romantic. But I just found it funny the way Chernow, he's such a great writer, but he would always bring up, like, yeah, and he back to his habit of counting the ladies. Thanks. Thanks, Washington. You guys are weird. weird. 1700s world is weird. <laughs> because, like, he's a, he's obviously a, a myth. 
and we treat him like that even in school. But he's a real person. And Chernow, I mean, with Grant, it's I love it. I love to penetrate this stuff and get into it. All right, Kelly, we are a real podcast. Did you we know? We are. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr. Twitter? Twitter. Obviously Twitter. <laughs> At SOTW Pod. At SOTW Pod. And we uh, also Sword of Patreon. the West. Sword, Sword of the West. Pay on death. Oh, nice. Or would you say Portland something? Portland or death or something? Uh, I don't know. Oh, that sounds cool. That is That's pretty rad. cool. Sword of the West, Portland or death. Sword of the West, Portland or death. It's badass. Anyway. Yeah, so if you need an, an acronym to think, there you go. Sword of the West, Portland or death. Patreon. Or SOTW Pod, and we're on Patreon. We currently have uh, you know a couple followers, but we would love for you to be part of the movement we are trying to, to I don't know, just like be able to like afford the show at a at a sustainable level where we're not paying to put it out. Uh, and if we could do that and, and people that enjoy listening to it, even for a dollar, um, we're learning as we go. We're trying to put stuff uniquely for people that are subscribers on our Patreon. But uh, admittedly, we just started it. So we are if you go there, it might be a little bit rough as of today. But uh, but please do yourself a favor. Go there. If it looks jankety, then you know nothing's come of it yet. But if you go there and you see videos and you see a lot of things behind um, the Patreon paywall and stuff like that, then it means that we're doing stuff for people that are subscribing to us uh, for the at least the $1 range. And the $1 range is the one we want. I want more patrons than I want like someone giving us $100. Like I'd rather have more people that listen to the show and love the show. So if you love it, follow us on Twitter. Follow us anywhere. And we want to make sure we got a lot of people listening. So if you are listening, tell your friends about it. That's another way. If you don't have an extra dollar to spare or anything like that, no worries. Just tell people about it. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. That's all we want. And let us know that you're listening. Uh, it's the best way to let us know that we're doing something cool. You know, it's it's weird because it's I certainly don't do it with podcasts that I like. You know, I don't reach out. Oh, geez. But we're doing like a That's true. we're doing a reach out here. So hey, if you're listening to this. Send us an email. Leave us a SOTWpod at gmail.com. Twitter us. Do all, all of those it. things. All of it. And you can even suggest a topic for maybe one of the special episodes Super we do. Super important. So cool. You like a band a lot? Hey, tell us the band. And we'll do a whole fucking episode. We'll about do it. literally anything. <laughs> <laughs> like anything that you want. Give us a dollar. We'll do anything you well, want. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's what we want to put out I into did the world. and didn't mean it like that. <laughs> all right, Kelly. I know. Sounds great to me. Are we picking a song? We're picking next week's song. I'm excited. Already? I'm. Is that time already? Nashville Skyline? I hope so. All right, Kelly. One out of 492. We're almost Ah. at four in the 480s. Oh, my goodness. But not really. Two more weeks. All right. So take a guess. One out of 492. 363. 161. Cool. What did you say? 363? Yes. 363 is a song from Bob Dylan's first album called In My Time of Dying. It's cover, so I don't think he wrote that one. So we will be diving deep into the cover of Dylan's song, 1962. However, it's 161. It's Sarah. Sarah! Hopefully it's not as bad as the... uh, Rolling Thunder. Rolling Thunder version. Because that dude just is a It is from Desire. Sarah! Wait, isn't Desire one that I wanted to listen to? It was Desire, yeah. This is the last song of Desire. So, all right. So, we're we're breaking into Desire here with Sarah. You know, it's good. 
worst song on on Desire. Let's break into I'm it. Actually, that's not true. Joey's the worst one. Uh, no, Sarah. Let's get into it. Uh, we talked a little about romance and stuff like that here. This is clearly a song written to try to like sway somebody not to divorce you. Because this is his first wife, right? This is Sarah. Yeah, this is this is his first wife. This is kids, Jacob's mom, all that kind of stuff. So, wow. yeah, big, big, big time, big time, Sarah. Big time. That's what people Sarah. call her. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be back. Nineteen seventy-six, Desire, first Desire song. Although we listened to it, Rolling Thunder. Sarah and Joey on. No, we're not going to listen to Joey. <laughs> if 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 you donate five dollars to our Patreon, I will take Joey off of this, Over and Joey will be an episode we never do. Oh my goodness! Give us money. See you later. Bye. Let me tell you what I wish I'd known when I was young and dreamed of glory. You have no control. Who lives? Who dies? Who tells your story? I know that we can win. I know that greatness lies in you, but remember from here on in, history has its eyes.